I hope you enjoy the upcoming content that we'll have for you on today's episode. I think you'll get quite a bit out of it. And know that today's episode is brought to you by the Swim Master Melody Course at successwithmusic.com. If you are in the songwriting game, if you are in the production game, make sure you understand what it takes to create a melody before you get to mastering and mixing and all that man it all starts with a powerful melody check it out today it is absolutely worth the investment the swim master melody course at successwithmusic.com hey let's get to the show this is swim success with music Hey, how you feel? This is Swim Success with Music. I am Walt, your music coach, your solo through the whole song instrumentalist, your, my bad, it was in the wrong key apologist. Yo, let's dive in. Hey, how you guys doing today? I hope you are well. Again, my name is Walt and you are listening to Success with Music, the podcast for musicians And uh, we cover topics that relate to the world of the musician, how to get better at what you do, how to become more successful financially, more successful with your networks, skills, you name it, we try to tackle it. And today we're going to be talking about how to become more creative as a musician. So we will dive into that in just a moment. So let's go ahead and start our episode off like we normally would do. And we're going to cover some fun, interesting stuff today. We're going to cover some music theory, but we're going to put this into a game format as we have done in times past. But today we're talking about some music theory. Were you ever taught music theory by your piano teacher, your guitar teacher, whatever? Were you paying attention? (laughs) All right, we're going to find out. All right. So every episode, I, I I start off by saying some weird stuff and also saying that I am a music coach. And, and that's actually a, a real deal. Uh, I coach musicians locally on a weekly basis. And in one of my recent coaching sessions, I wanted to push my musicians further as it relates to music theory. I believe music theory is incredibly important. So the way I see music theory in the world of music, I see it like the laws of the universe. So, you know, you've heard of things like Newton's law and you have the laws of gravity and the laws of motion and, and things like that. So scientists and physicists and inventors, they can take these laws and use them to their advantage if they simply know how they work. Well, I feel like there are laws and rules and and patterns for music, and that is where music theory comes into play. So if you happen to know your music theory pretty well, I feel like you can navigate the world of music with better success. All right, so I'm going to give you just uh, how many? I'm going to give you three music theory questions today. To make it easier, I'm going to make it multiple choice, but I still think that even with multiple choice, these can be kind of hard. So tell me how you do on these uh, questions here. All right, so let's start with the first question. You ready? 
All right, here, here's your first question. Again, this will be multiple choice. I'll give you some options after I read the question. All right, here we go. Let's assume that we are working with a 6-8 time signature. The meter is 6-8. How many quarter notes can I fit into any given measure if the time signature is 6-8? So again, the question is, how many quarter notes can we fit into any given measure if the time signature is 6-8? All right, I'll give you a second to think about your answer. All right, so let me give you the choices. So we can fit no quarter notes into a measure. No, no quarter notes won't fit into a measure where the time signature is 6-8. That's your first option. The next option is you can fit three quarter notes into a measure if the time signature is 6-8. Or the last option is you can fit six quarter notes into a measure if your time signature is 6-8. And the answer is three. You can fit three quarter notes into a measure if the time signature is 6-8. So if you got this question wrong, let me remind you that when you have a time signature, the bottom number, in this case, eight, it represents the value of each of the pulses in your song. So in this instance, each pulse or each beat is assigned an eighth note value. So as a result, you can fit three quarter notes into a measure because we're restricted to six eighth notes within any given measure. All right, next question. The G mixolydian mode is related to what major scale? Let me repeat that. The G mixolydian mode or scale is related to what major scale? So let me be a bit more clear here. If I were to play G, A, B, C, D, E, F, and back to G, and let's assume that all those notes are natural, that will give us that G mixolydian that's that mode there. It is relative to what major scale? All right, so let me give you some choices here. The G mixolydian scale is relative to the G major scale, or is it related to the D minor scale? Or our last choice is C major scale. Is it the C major scale? All right, let me give you the answer. The G mixolydian mode is related to the C major scale. And that's because the C major scale has all natural notes and the G mixolydian scale, as I read it, also has all natural notes. So those two are relative. All right. Let's move on to the last one. Hopefully the quiz is not killing you today. All right. So the numbers two, three, and six chords of a major key 
are what types of chords? Let me read that back to you because that was a lot of information there. The numbers two, three, and six chords of any major key are what types of chords? Two, three, and six. What kind of chords are those within a major key? Here are your choices. Those chords are minor chords or those chords are major. And your last option is augmented, augmented. Numbers two, three, and six of a major scale. And the answer is minor. Chords two, three, and six are minor within a major key. So, for instance, if we were in the key of C, um, the number two would be a D minor, the number three, an E minor, the number six, an A minor. How did you do on our music theory quiz today? Again, if you got killed on music theory... (laughs) (laughs) Don't feel bad. Uh, Music theory can be pretty complicated. But again, we're dealing kind of with the the building blocks of music. And sometimes these things can be technical, but learning music theory is definitely worth it. And actually, we're going to talk about that a little later in the episode. But for now, let's move on to our main topic of today. And we are talking about becoming more creative as a musician more creative. Now, I know that seems kind of uh, open-ended and not so specific, but music is all about creativity. And there are so many different ways one can describe creativity. So an easy way of doing it is naming some of music's most innovative people out there. So so who, who's on your list? Who, who's a, a really big innovator in your mind? Take a, th- take a moment to think about it. When it comes to songwriting or when it comes to composition or singing, maybe choreography or performance, right? So innovation can take on any number of forms. Now, music innovators, by definition, they they ride on the very edge of what's next. And these artists tend to push their ideas into the world. And what happens as a result, a lot of us just fall in line. So, for instance, if there is a a new type of genre or a new spin on a genre, if there's a a way of writing something that becomes popular by way of one of these cutting edge people, the masses typically will fall in line. And that that includes me as well. I mean, we, we all have that tendency of copying things that we admire. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, a lot of us are looking to be those people. We want to be the innovators. We want to be on the edge of that new musical movement, as it were. And when you're not really operating with high creativity juices flowing, it's very easy to feel kind of envious and and stuck in your musical abilities or style or what have you. I've been there before. and, And it feels like your mind is trapped in doing the same thing over and over, while others seem to have an endless supply of sweet ideas. So for today's episode, I want to give you a few practical things that you can do to help yourself break out of this creativity slump and really energize those hidden ideas, those hidden things that will really allow for you to be seen as a leader in your area that you operate in. 
All right, so let's get to what we can do to escape from the prison of predictability and circular thoughts. All right, here we go. The first thing I would encourage you to do if you're looking to really develop that creative edge is to stop replicating artists that fit within your area or your genre or your focus. So for instance, if you are a pop singer and you love, let's say, X, Y, and Z singer and you love their music, you follow their music and you listen to it, you listen to it and you essentially try to pattern yourself after that musician, what's going to happen is that you're going to wind up sounding like a cheap knockoff of that artist. That artist already has that particular area most likely on lockdown. They have the corner on that particular style. And as a result, they most likely have a following. You're following that person, right? So it's one thing to admire someone. I'm not saying that you can't admire or even, you know, take some cues from things that they do, but you have to be very careful in that you don't make yourself another version of that particular artist. All right. So let me move to my next point because my next point kind of correlates to the, the first point that I made. So I'm telling you to stop doing something. Stop focusing on an artist that you would essentially want to be a carbon copy of. Instead, I am challenging you to do this. Listen to and follow music that is well, I mean, well outside of your area of personal choice or preference. And now I'm going to go crazy with this, but I want you to follow me because I really believe there's some value in what I'm going to tell you here. If let's go back to the pop thing here, if you love pop music and you want to become a pop artist, there are tons of people out there that they're doing it and there's different versions of it. I would encourage you to completely move away from that genre altogether. I would even encourage you to I'm gonna give you some examples here. Again, these will be crazy, but I would encourage you to go do something crazy like go listen to polka music. Yeah, I said polka, the weird accordion based. Yeah, that stuff. I would encourage you, and I'm not saying polka specifically, but I'm, 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 I'm trying to take it to an extreme here. Listen to metal or listen to, I don't know, tradition, traditional Japanese music. What I want you to do is to depart from the things that everyone else, that they're recycling. By going way, 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 way far out there, it allows you to start to hear music in a very, very different way. Now, do you want to be a polka artist? Probably not. You probably can't hit, you know, chart on billboard with, you know, polka music. But what you can do is start to get ideas. You can start to see how music is set up in a different genre and you can start to see how other musicians think. It will take you well beyond the confines of what your particular genre demands. So, for instance, if you turn on television right now or you go on to YouTube or you listen to anything streaming when it comes to pop music, you're going to get a certain narrative. You're going to get a certain style, a certain sound, and and the beat has to be this, and the tempo has to be this, and the vocals have this type of EQ treatment on and on and on. Overall, you're, start, you're going to start to see a lot of similarity between one song and the next, though the artists change. So when you take this huge, wild departure, you force your mind to take in new ideas and concepts that are very, very different than what you're experiencing with the things that you're looking to mimic. If, again, we're talking about pop as an example. Now, let me move on to my next point. 
I've alluded to the episode about me going down to Nashville quite a bit, the songwriting secrets from Nashville. Please check that episode out for practical uh, tips about songwriting. But in that episode, I, I mentioned to you guys that I actually traveled down to Nashville and I had the the chance to sit around the table with a lot of songwriters and a very seasoned songwriter, Jason Bloom, of who I mentioned in the uh, the previous episode here. Now, when sitting down with these guys, we were going over country music. Now, I'm not a country fan. I've composed a few country songs throughout my career, but it's not something that I really focus on. The point is, I was sitting down here in this meeting, and uh, there was a, a guy from a very large publishing company there, the, the head of this publishing company. He was there as well. He began to play some country music that was coming out under his umbrella. And as we're sitting there listening to this music, I was shocked to hear, I mean, 808 beats. I'm talking about straight up hip hop beats. But on top of these hip hop beats with a super low booming kick drum, there was the country. And I was shocked and I'm, I'm like, wait a minute. I thought this was <laughs> a session or uh, I thought in this session we're going to deal with country music. And this gentleman began to reveal something that opened my eyes about creativity forever. He said that country music had started to fuse their typical sound with some of these beats and what it did, it allowed them to create something new. So in other words, when they adopted sounds, patterns and ideas from very, very, very different genres, those country artists then became leaders. They became the next new thing. If they kept doing country as usual, there could really be no innovation there. If you think about songwriting in general, you know, the topics that we typically typically will cover, it's not that many. You can probably hold up your hand and count them out. Love, loss, victory, having a good time. What else is there? Those of you who have a religious background like myself, then you may have the other category of your faith in talking about God. But outside of that, is there really more? out there that you can deal with. So the point is you're going to wind up having the same content recycled over and over again. How do you make it new? How do you make it fresh? If that genre has been around forever, you bring in elements that are completely outside of the norm. Again, this idea is related to the previous thought that I brought up to you. I just a second ago said, Hey, go do something crazy and listen to polka music. Go listen to, traditional Japanese music, go listen to some metal. And again, these are just examples, but what the innovative musicians will do, they will bring in small elements of these genres into what they're doing. And when they do this, it starts to create a brand new facet for that particular genre. So no one's asking you to go out and become a polka player or musician or whatever. And again, I keep using polka as an example. I'm just using that because most people are not feeling it. But the point being is that if you are able to somehow merge a completely different idea with the area that you operate in, you will now become highly successful. So this even happened with hip hop, where traditionally hip hop was just about your drum machines and, and things like that. Drum machines, record scratches, sampling and what have you. But as electronic music started to really peak, 
Then you had this merger of like EDM and electronic. And there was even some folk related things that were kind of merged into hip hop. And that allowed for hip hop to take a different trajectory overall because some wise producers out there decided to stretch outside of the typical things that have gone on for hip hop for quite a while. So let me move on to the next point here. I believe that you can really put your creativity into turbo mode if you simply get new instruments, get new software, get a new guitar, maybe get some new patches, uh, maybe new vocalists, new gear, so maybe some outboard gear. The point is, if you're constantly composing with what you have, you tend to hear the music with what you've already heard like a billion times. So for instance, I was uh, sitting down uh, a few weeks ago and I had a client and they were asking me for some music and I'm like, ah, you know what? I can knock this out pretty easily. And quite frankly, based off of what they were asking, asking me to compose, I simply pulled out some of the patches that I typically will go to. I always go to a certain piano. I always pull out my guitar, I have my bass behind me and I kind of start composing and things like that. And I realized just as I got into it, the music was sounding stale. Now, the music itself was very different. It's a new client, new project, everything else. But I was going down the typical road. Now, at that time, I decided, hey, you know what? This may be a good time for me to kind of poke around and see what kind of new plugins are out there and the kind of soft sense that I can load up into my my digital audio workstation. 